0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You ready? Yeah. All right. Welcome to Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. And before we get into it with Matt Stagmer, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Axe Wax. Yes, yeah, right, everybody. Axe wax. Axe wax is an all-natural, food-safe wax for your axe or your hammers or your knives. If you're a culinary guy like me, making culinary knives, it is nice to be able to offer your customer something that doesn't have any uh, by, by petroleum byproducts. So I use the axe wax on my knives. I think it's great. Uh, you can use them on your boots. You can use them on your your bag. Any of your leather, whatever you got. If you go to axewax.us and you put in promo code fullblast10, you get 10% off, which is great. And um, so go, go get yourself a couple of pucks of Axe Wax, get a t-shirt, whatever you want. We're getting good reviews. A lot of the big names in knife making use them. They love them. Go ahead. I'm with you, Axe Wax. Thanks again. And now I'm very excited because we're going to be talking to a, a guy I've been watching for a long time. Matt Stagmer is a bladesmith, a lifelong weapons maker he's a tv show host he's he has got his own uh he's got his own youtube channel with his buddy Ilya called that works he's down in maryland
1: matt how are you i'm doing great jeff thanks for having me i'm excited to be here not only not only just to be on the podcast but you know i don't know if you realize this you and i've been in the same place a bunch of times and actually met a few times but we've never had anything that i'd qualify as a conversation so kind of excited Did we meet at at Maker Camp? We met at Maker Camp. You were mostly on the megaphone, yelling at people. And we (laughs) met briefly. Um, I had just, you know, started working with Chris Cash. So, like, he kind of introduced me to some people. But not really... I didn't really know too many people in that, like, maker world. Um, So we didn't really talk much. And we actually met at Blade Show uh, two years ago, I guess. Real quick. But, you know, you meet everybody there so fast, it's hard to sit down and have a conversation with everyone you meet but I'm yeah i'm
0: terrible with faces names and i'm <laughs> terrible <laughs> me too it. So, dude me I, too. Apologize. No, I apologize i
1: know it's cool i'm excited that we're getting to talk congratulations on the birth of your new daughter thank you i really appreciate it you know that was a a journey it's been two weeks and uh today was actually my first day back at the at the workshop so it's kind of fun to talk to you getting back into the things and starting the old journey to to blade show once again so i'm trying to get some of those things nailed down and it was just kind of good to get back in the swing of things see the guys and get back to making some stuff
0: how's your how's your wife feel
1: she's good um was you know it wasn't the easiest pregnancy oh pregnancy was all right but like birthing was some stuff you know we're both over probably the normal age of having kids so we had some complications but kid is great wife is great she's beautiful I'm. I'm ecstatic. Like, she was amazing during it all, and it's nice to finally have her home and out of the belly. So it's been it's a real good process of being a dad again. So it's been seven years since we did it last, so it's kind of like doing it all again for the first time. That's
0: amazing. That's yeah. amazing, and congratulations. Thank
1: you. I appreciate
0: it. I feel like I've been just, just watching your videos, and I know that you you, you have such a – a long experience in knife making and sword making but you you the first time I've I've heard of you was I was watching um man at arms mm-hmm. and it's a YouTube it was started out as a YouTube channel show right yeah yeah and it was with it was a, the original show was with Tony Swatton who's yeah. like he gotta be the godfather of of Hollywood yeah prop for making. sure I mean he'd been, he' been yeah. he he if you've if you i mean I don't know a movie hasn't built something on just about all
1: of them, <laughs> and yeah. I
0: remember seeing i must i must have been ten years ago his show was on
1: yeah know, almost like almost and
0: he was getting these calls to make um replicas or you know you know duplications of these you know uh swords and stuff from like from my youth you know like he the he-man sword or oh yeah like thundercats and and all these kind of like fantastic swords and it was such an amazing it just was such a great idea because to me it was just like you know at the time i was still at the center for metal arts and i was thinking oh this is this is the one thing about what you guys do is i've always i've always wondered and, and a lot of it has to do with uh Uri Hoff, used to say all the time, what is the role of the modern day blacksmith? Sure. And, and this to me was like, you know, Tony's a, you know, he's a, he's an Abana guy. Yeah. He's established. He's been doing, he did, he did the hook for the movie, you know, hook and yeah. swords and all that stuff. And when I found out that you were doing that with him,
1: yeah, what was that like? Dude, that was, that was cool. So like, I know a lot of people these days think of me as like the guy that's on the screen all the time doing this stuff. But, um, I met Tony. So we had a hammer in at bottle rifle sword starting in 2000. I think nine. It's been a long time and we invited him to come out to kind of be our armor demo guy. And that was like exciting because I knew Tony like let me backtrack just a second. So I worked for a magazine called Pirates magazine and we would go and do like pirate reenactments and write I was a writer on there and I did a feature article on a different bladesmith each quarter and uh, it was called Blades of the Brethren. It was just a fun way for me to reach out and meet other people and highlight people that didn't have like a social media presence like I did. Right. So it was a lot of fun. And I went to New Orleans and a friend of mine came up to me and he said, hey, would you like to meet Tony Swatton? And I was like, Tony Swatton, why do I know that name? And he was like, he's the guy who made, you know, the sword for Blade and Jack Sparrow's sword. And all. I was like, <gasps> I was like starstruck and he like came up to me and I don't know if you've ever met Tony. I'm not a small, I mean, I'm not a large guy. I'm pretty small. I'm like five, nine and a quarter. Give me that quarter. But, uh, he's a larger than life guy. He's a big Big belly, big tall guy. And he just came up to me, never met him before in my life and bear hugged me and picked me up and spun me around in the middle of the street of new Orleans. And that's, that's how we started our friendship. So it was hilarious. And, uh, One of the other funny stories is there. One of our friends, our mutual friends, uh, asked him to make a sword for him, and asked me to make the same sword, and we didn't know it. So when we had met, we were all friendly, and then it got awkward later that night when we both presented our swords to the guy, and to see like the contrast, his was like super Hollywood, and mine was like very rough forged, and I was like trying play up the the pirate thing and his was like all brass and shiny with like fake gemstones and like super hollywood and it was like an awkward moment where we were super like happy to meet each other and then like oh my god like this is tony Swat, and i just i'm so embarrassed but tony's uh, tony's i mean yeah. he
0: he did the i think he did the swords for like the uh what is that brad pitt movie where he was uh troy did you think he did this stuff for troy he's done did he i don't
1: even know anymore Dude, he, you, he'll tell you
0: all about it if you ever
1: want to talk to him he loves to tell you everything you he's made.
0: such a nice guy. i've never actually oh, yeah. met him or talked to him he and i are friends on facebook and yeah you know, we have friends we have no people in common like it normally is And he's just a super nice guy but the people yeah. that i know who end up meeting him i know he does some hammer-ins in burbank i know yeah. a couple of the guys who've gone down there and then when they return they're just like you can't get a nicer guy than yeah. Tony Swatton. You yeah, can't get a nicer guy. And he
1: has most of everything he made in his showroom. Well, I don't know about his new shop, but his old shop was crazy. Like, the the uh, showroom walls were um, from Evil Dead. Like, the castle walls and stuff. Like, it was it was wild to go to his shop first. The first thing he did when I walked in is he handed me a uh, 50 cents original pip cup from his very first music video. He just handed it to me, and I was like what the hell where am i it was hilarious so almost all my tony stories are over the top
0: i'm under the impression he gets like these ridiculous deadlines like i think he had to make a suit of armor in
1: general is is just awful dude i've never understood it and now that i'm you know doing some more of the youtube stuff on my own and i'm trying to book sponsorships and everything, everything is so last minute video game company i just got an email today from a video game company that wanted us to make a sword for them and i was like yeah 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 budget was good everything down and it was like okay well we need it by april 17th I was like that's five days from now i can't even edit the video in five days if it already existed and it's just, it's just how hollywood is i can't understand it but but it's most likely because i mean they're all they
0: don't real none of them really care i think I it's guess. it's it's not even think it's a realizing because i know i got a, a couple friends in hollywood and they're just like these people don't realize but if they did realize they don't care you know it's no. just like because they know if you don't get it done somebody else will
1: it's just weird though because like with movie production like that stuff that stuff takes two years before they even start rolling a camera and they have all the time in the world but their only exposure to smithing is stuff they see in the movies, where it's like a, you know, a thirty second montage and the sword's done. So like that's how they think it is. Oh
0: my god! There, there. What is worse than the the depiction of blacksmithing or knife making in movies? Ugh.
1: It's how bad depressing. is it? It's so bad that like it's some of my favorite shows. Like I've I've like stopped watching because it like one scene I'll be like what, no. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> you know if, no. If, if if somebody came up with a show where the lead character was a blacksmith or even just even if it wasn't even if it was a fabricator even if it was a welder if you just did it like a sitcom wrapped around the just not even a you know not even like you know like uh west coast shoppers or something like that i'm just talking about like if you you could write a sitcom or a, a show revolving around a blacksmith and then have the minorest facts just be correct you don't have to go crazy if you just kept it a little bit honest, yeah. you know, it would be a great show because it's so, it's so fascinating in terms of deadlines, in terms yeah. of late nights, and you're filthy, and this didn't work, and that didn't work. I just find it hard to believe that they haven't
1: figured that out. It's weird how they feel like they need to Hollywood it up because it already is. There's already built-in drama. Every quench, even if you've done it a million times, is risky. Like Everything you're doing is based upon risk and, and you know, it's weird how they all, like, every single time they have to add something that is not needed to be there. It's crazy. And trust me, like, I did a TV show for two series, uh, two seasons, and just some of the ridiculous things the producers asked us to do, which luckily we said no to most of them, it was just like, dude, you don't need to do that. Like, it's already there. It's already it's- cool enough. So were you doing the show before you met Tony or no, I mean, I I had done a couple little documentaries and little snippets here and there, but really I hadn't done really much at all on camera until I went out and did season four of man in arms with Tony, uh, at his shop, sword and stone. Um, I don't know. This is a long story, but so there's a lot of backstory to it, but I actually met a really cool girl who's now my wife. Um, through on the internet like we ran in the same circles some of the pirate stuff renaissance festival stuff and we always kind of knew of each other but we didn't know and i always thought she had a really you know great attitude like she made a post on facebook it was you know a breakup post saying that you know she's not seeing the person she's seen anymore it was so classy and she posted a selfie of like her smiling and like i just messaged her said i had just gotten out of a bad relationship and i said hey that was so classy how you handled that like thank you like it refreshes me to to know that there's other people out there that don't have to go out with a scream and uh, we started talking and she lived in LA and I'm here in Maryland and we talked for a little while and Tony at the same time was asking me if I'd come out for a guest season his shops in LA so I kind of like rigged up a uh you know a trip that would knock two things out so I'd be able to meet her in person and do a sh- and do the first season with Tony um P.S. Oddly, oddly high enough,
0: level. High level move yeah, yeah. to tell the girl <laughs> that uh, yeah I'm going to be filming a TV show sure. I'm coming out for a season. Well, That's
1: it, you would think that would normally work. However, she actually worked for Tony, so oh. she she knows him and and worked for him for a while. And uh, not only just like doing front counter stuff, but she actually made stuff with him. So small world was, out there. You was can't it a coincidence? Really... Um, I get. I think it was all kind of coincidence. But it, looking back on it now, with you know, beautiful children and a great marriage. Like it feels like it was kind of meant to be. So, yeah, no, but I mean the coincidence of you
0: were, did you know that she worked for Tony before you?
1: I think I might. I mean, like I, I do my research before I start dating somebody. So like, I think I knew, but it wasn't like real, real fresh in my mind. I didn't know how much she knew him, but I knew like, you know, Tony does all kinds of crazy stuff, dressing up as Vikings and they go to movie theaters and all kinds of stuff. And I had seen her in some of those pictures. So I knew they were all in the same network of, of folks so
0: yeah so what was it like going out there and working for him
1: it was fun it was it was it was different so by the time the show got back to to us where we were hosting it it was a lot different you than mean, how Baltimore knife, it,
0: when it got yeah. back to it so you worked for a season with with tony mm-hmm. and then they how did that switch over between tony and, you um, and your brother i mean it
1: depends who you ask i guess um so i did the season they filmed five builds at a time and you get about 10 days to build them um it was kind of a small crew when it was at Tony's. It was like, his sh- his workshop was so crammed. It was hard to get. That's too many what I hear in there. Packed. So they had like, they had a producer and they had a lighting guy and they had maybe one or two like kind of camera ops and a and a DIT like some people that did the lens changes. But I think it was only like four or five people ever there, and um so it was real real cluster. And you kind of run out and grab the producer and say we need to film this, and you, you kind of dictated what. What was going to happen and they would come in because they tried to leave you alone so you'd have enough room to work and we did six builds um it was a lot of fun it was a lot of work i didn't realize how much work it was and tony always like like following him on instagram and things like you see that he's always you know hurry up hurry up like last minute but it really is like that for them they work all night to get these things done and and the back then, Man at Arms was only like a six to eight minute video per build, so they didn't fully cover everything like they did when we took over the show. Um, but then, so I did the whole season. It was it was a lot of fun. I did most of the the grinding, and I tried to just kind of look and see the things that Tony were doing that was really draining on him physically, and I tried to like do the bulk of it, even if it was off camera work. Like he would say, we had like ten of one thing to grind. I'd let him do the one on camera, and then I'd grind the rest for him just to save him time. That's really how I felt like I was going to help him, because a lot of it was kind of like Tony, and no offense to anybody, but much less experienced craftsmen that right. he was working with. What happens? So he, it was all on him. Where it came back to ball, and and sword for man arms reforged, we had like separate craftsmen that all had their own expertise. So everybody, right. it was different. It was a different level. It was more of a team thing. Um, so I just really wanted to help him, and the little bit of screen time I did get, it was just, it was fun, like, I brought a different level of attitude to it, because I didn't have any stress, I was never stressed out at all, a lot of people, as soon as the camera comes on, they, like, tense up, and, and, like, miss a grind, or, you know, mess up, but, like, that wasn't who I was, I've always been kind of comfortable with doing those kind of things, so, like, I, like, we made, like, the knife from halloween and i put like a jason mask on and ground in that and just just little fun things yeah that did as they progressed they they learned to have more fun and not take it so serious um but anyway so he did that and then they filmed for another i think two seasons and then tony didn't want to for whatever reason, you'd have to ask him i'm sure he'd come on and tell you the whole story his side of things but he didn't want to do the show anymore So producers were starting to look up, you know, this was a highly successful show. Let's face it. They were getting millions of views before there were other charismatic too. Yeah. And before there was other blacksmithing shows, this was kind of like the, the only one that was high budget. Sure. There were people out there with their DSLRs, but like this was pretty high budget and they were getting millions of views. So they were really looking for somebody to, to take the whole thing over. And they were emailing everybody. They, I mean, you name it. If, if, they were making any kind of sword they they emailed him and uh what ended up happening is the producer brent emailed me and called me somehow he got my phone number and um one thing led to another i basically didn't want to do it because i knew coming back to our shop with the people we had and just the i mean at ball right and Sword we worked our butts off we made 30 to 50 pieces a week Swords and shipped them all around the country to Renaissance festivals. So, the idea of like taking two weeks off to film a show just seemed impossible. So, I ignored it. I ignored it. And then I talked to my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and told her the thing. She said, Just call him back. Just call him back. So, one time when I was out in LA visiting her, I called him back and he pitched the idea of changing it from Man in Arms to Man Arm Reforge, where we would have. We would all meet at a different workshop and we would get like six or seven different craftsmen and we would all do it that way. And that was going to involve all kinds of different people. Rick Barrett, Tom Ward, um, David Del Orgerdell, and Andy Davis. We we're actually going to do it at their Mad Dwarf workshop. Um, and a couple other guys. Excuse me if I forget That's everybody. Fine. Sorry, guys. But like it was a bunch of us that were all going to meet like a up lot of there. work. It was a lot of work. And when it got down to it started discussing, and I asked David, you know, hey, like, what's your three-phase situation? Because half the reason I can do what I do so fast is I had these big five-horsepower, you know, huge sanders that I could just hog metal on. And just, you know, that wasn't always the prettiest grind, but it would get it done quickly. And they didn't. he was like, three-phase of what? What third phase? What do you mean? Like, he didn't even know what three-phase was. I was like, oh, no. So when we all started talking about the realistic time frames of it, it seemed like the only real option was to to have that show come to ballroom knife and sword and uh yeah we did that for man i don't know seemed like forever three and a half years i guess i would think
0: that when they come up with these that's the one thing that i think that people don't realize when these production companies come up with these ideas yeah there's two different there's two different ways to think about it one is the, you know, the idea and the essence of the show. And then the number two thing is the practicality of it all. Mm -hmm. I can imagine, and I don't don't know, Tony, I wouldn't be able to say it, but I would think that doing a show like that, or especially if you're just, you know, knocking out, you know, whatever, five, 10 episodes in two weeks, I'm sure there's more money to be made in his shop. And I think that a lot of people, especially when they do TV, they think that, you know, the value of doing the TV is going to be the thing, but it mm-hmm. really comes down to is not that might not be the case. So I can totally imagine yeah. if I were you, I'd be the same. Like, there's just no way I'm doing this.
1: Yeah, no way. and I said no like a bunch of times. And, and like to be fair, just so everybody know, like I you know I have no fortune in the bank. Like I didn't make much money. We barely covered our time. Uh, but it was something that I, I mean, it was my baby. Like I did so much ground leg work it was it was a lot of work even before we got up to the to the filming sessions of researching what we're going to make and it was like a big deal to me cuz like with man at arms more so than a lot of makers out there we we were bringing to life people's favorite items from right. like comic books or video games or anime whatever it, whatever it was people when they made those suggestions put so much passion behind it and i knew that if you didn't do one of those builds justice like you're breaking someone's heart and they're going to be angry so I did a lot of research, you know, of the actual item to try to put as much nerdy stuff as I could. And if it was something that none, nobody in the shop, usually somebody in the shop, we were all kinds of different geeks in our own right, would have been into whatever we were making. But sometimes it wasn't. So we would research a historical blacksmithing or bladesmithing technique and throw that in there to show some extra level of like, you know, give a F, you know, right. like try to make sure that each episode was special in one way or another. So it was a lot of work and. And man, looking back on it, like I wish the money was a whole lot better. <laughs>
0: See, that's the other
1: thing. I think that
0: you know, I was when I I watched a number of episodes, and all I could think of is there's a lot of dudes in that shop, yeah, and I'm sure they're not getting paid. And not I really. and I and I thought that because I just know I know how these things are, and right. I, and I know you know to a certain degree how these TV shows are, especially if they're ones on YouTube. Yep. There's there's this there's this strange sales pitch in regards to uh that focuses on our egos and our in our own uh mm-hmm. ideas of what the, p- the potential is and it's not based on you know fact and, I, and yeah. I think that it becomes it is amazing that you guys were able to pump out as many episodes yeah. as you did you know that's, yeah. a, tr- that's a testament to you
1: and it's, it's- a couple of funny, funny things to say there. Like one of the jokes that we always said is the highest paid person on the set. Whenever we were filming, was the medic. It is so true. The medic always made the most money. Do you and always have a, a medic? Yeah, yeah. It was a fourteen man crew at at very least at for every filming when we did it. It was insane because we had much bigger shop than Tony, so they had to light basically three separate shops and transition pretty quick because we're all working on stuff. You don't have to see all of it, but you like you need to come catch up. On the stages of six different builds in eight days so like it was it was grueling work for everybody including the the crew and our crew was awesome i mean absolutely awesome they they were super professional they most of them came from tv um house of cards if you're familiar with it that's the sure. same crew that filmed house of cards came and filmed with us and we worked with a whole bunch of really talented people on that and and they still are doing the show i'm not but it uh it was it was a lot of fun because it wasn't just like somebody with a little camera like they had forty thousand dollar cameras pointing at us we had one two sometimes even three producers and it was super official it felt like you were on a movie set but it was it was going to YouTube it wasn't on a, it yep. was on a uh, so they so it was on YouTube but I think in retrospect now that I know how the TV games played they always shot it with the opportunity for it to jump to TV. You know, right. And not just like kind of good, but like really good. Yeah. So it was always like the opportunity to re edit, add commercial breaks, and, and sell it straight to TV, which kind of weird that that hasn't really happened. I know there's so much behind the scenes uh, with making that happen. But instead of doing that, they sold a whole new show with Danny Trejo called Man in Arms Art of War to the El Ray Network. And we did two seasons of that, which was a whole nother bag of worms. But it was, it was bag a of good experience. worms. Some of it, yeah, I mean, look, in retrospect, now that i'm filming everything myself on my own channel i'm editing i'm basically producing and doing all that labor, I learned so much and i'm I'm one of those guys who like i'm not a i'm not a control freak, but I want to know how it all works, you right. know what I mean. Like I want to know every, why did you put that light behind me instead of in front of me? Well, that's so it highlights, you know, gives you a little aura all the way around you. That's why you backlight really makes you stand out from the background. Oh, okay. So I asked those questions nonstop. I mean, I'm sure if you talk to anybody on the crew, like we're all friends, almost all of us. And we still talk to this day, but uh, I'm sure some of them got annoyed with all the questions I asked, especially the cameraman, but uh, I learned a lot. And when the, made the jump to TV, it was like, almost exactly like what we did just a whole lot more of everything more right. work more people on set multiple cameras in the in the forge at a time instead of just one camera and uh you know it, <laughs> it's just everything you can imagine all the drama magnified in real life plus people telling you to do something here and there that made absolutely no sense right. and you had to make the decision pick your fights you know right we, so. need, we need
0: the seal to be hotter we need it. We need to get the color right. No, but you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna burn it, and you're not gonna be able to quench it correctly. I oh, know. can
1: you can you do that forge weld again? Well, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's forge yeah, they love now. the sparks. Yeah, it's forge I was welding. thinking
0: thinking about thinking about your history, and now that you have your own YouTube channel that works, mm-hmm. I love the fact that. You know, you started at a young age with your brother who, you know, I was thinking, I was, I was watching some interview and you said your brother was 19 years older than mm-hmm. than you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, that's a big difference. But then I realized my sisters are both 19 years older than me. Yeah. So I'm just like, ah, oh, that's very similar. Yeah. But the fact that you were able to kind of, you almost, you almost were, you were almost like born into this to a certain degree because yeah. your brother was a, you know, started blacksmithing, bladesmithing and kind of brought you in. And it's, yeah. and what I love about your story too, is the fact that you were behind the scenes in these, you were in front of the camera, but you were involved with these shows. You were almost, it was like a, it was a training for, for what you can do now.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And it's so funny. Like it's kind of a ongoing theme of my life that everything i was doing like had mega purpose but i didn't have any idea at the time like you mentioned how you know i i grew up doing this with my brother and he's 19 years older but when i was a kid i had no aspirations of doing this right. all the way through high school i had no aspirations so like my metalwork started at my brother carrie's shop when i was in seventh grade i don't know if you remember pogs it was like a big big thing back in the day um I would go to his shop on his lathe, and I would make Pog Slammers, so a little, like, metal slammer that you throw at these cardboard round pieces and flip them over and try to get them to turn over. And I made these, like, massive ones, and I would take them to school. And uh, people were so envious that I had these that I started selling them. I and mean, That was, like, my first taste of, like, a little bit of a make this hustle. Yeah. And uh, that was in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, I got into, like, a little bit of, well— I didn't really get into trouble. I took the heat for something that my friends did, and I kind of got called into the principal's offices to rat them out, and I wouldn't do it. So they ended up expelling me in eighth grade and throwing me out of the school just because I wouldn't rat on my friends. That's and, the uh, move. Yeah. And I, that's, yeah.
0: A tough, that's the tough move, but that's the best move.
1: And then instead of, um, right, you know, I, I grew up... Ever rat. ...as a Boy Scout, and I was in Taekwondo. So like the whole honor, all that kind of stuff, like really hit me hard. So I had that decision and I didn't rat and they they expelled me and I got a tutor who was used to tutoring, you know, probably very not intelligent kids, the troublemakers, and that wasn't me and I I really excelled. I really learned a lot and did my schoolwork very fast where they, they think they're assigning you like full days worth of work, but it was like an hour for me. So my parents were both teachers and I'd be home alone. So they asked Carrie, my older brother, Uh, to start taking me with him during the day so i went to the shop and that's when i forged my first knife in eighth grade and i was around that like every day it was so addictive but still had no clue or aspirations of doing it like i just thought it was normal that everybody had a brother that made swords (laughs) like i didn't think it was special and uh even in high school when i needed a job and started working with him i still it was just a job I didn't want to do that. You I took it for be, granted
0: because you didn't know any better. Yeah
1: I, yeah, I took it for granted. I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be an architect. I loaded up in high school on every art class. I mean, as far as like shop class happened, right? I graduated in 2000. So as my freshman class came into high school, they really got a, rid of shop. So we didn't have like metal shop and stuff so much. It was those tools were there and the teachers were there, but they were transferring to. You know, computer-aided design and that kind of thing, and it was kind of bummed out. But I ended up really enjoying it, and I took all of those classes I could. And uh, I really thought that that's what I was gonna do with my life. And I, even though I had this part-time job, I would rollerblade to my brother's shop and work there until you know late at night, and then he would give me a ride home. I, I still was just like, this is just a job. I was just wire wheeling rusty metal over and over and over because his shop was so damp in the basement of an old mill. So I was just doing kind of grunt work, and even like a few months into it when I started grinding some swords and some, some axes that axes were really my, my first foray into doing anything artistic. I still like just kind of saw it as a hobby. I wasn't really making much money. And uh, one thing led to another. I, I thought I was going to do, I went and got my A plus net plus certification right out of high school. What's that? I thought? Uh, just networking engineer. Basically I, I went to work for Verizon for a day And they basically had me as a help desk operator, and it, you know, I wanted to blow my brains out. Horrible. (laughs) I'm serious. Like it was exactly how everybody says. Like, is the cord plugged in? And then they hang up (laughs) on you. Like, I really turn on and off again. It really was that bad. And you know, my life. I thought I was going to go so many different ways. I never thought that I'd be making bladed objects um, for a living. It just over time through my 20s. Like even then, I. 10 years in, 12 years and 15 years. And every time I really thought about it, it was never somewhere I was going to be forever. And I don't know, I kind of woke up one day I, I got I was in a bad breakup in my late twenties. And I went, Holy crap. Like I'm, a, I'm kind of okay at this. And maybe I should really push myself. And, and I just decided this is what I was going to do at least for a time. And here I am still doing it. Was he doing like, was your brother doing
0: just knives and stuff like that? Or swords Dude, we and really,
1: from... like, at Balmer Knife and Sword, we really never made real knives. And I hate, I don't mean to sound That's crappy. Fine. Like, I've probably been a part of making over 100,000 swords, and that is not an exaggeration. Um, I've been doing it for almost 25 years, but almost all of them, I would say 99.999% of them were stage combat blunts hmm. and made out of, uh, like, a medium carbon alloy, so you, less risk in the heat treat, they're you know, they're made to bend, not break. They're stage actors at rent fairs and in theaters and stuff, beating them up. So like nothing was ever sharp. Very rare. I mean, I'm until I got out on my own, like I'd made under fifty sharp things, honest to god. Like that makes were, perfect sense. I mean yeah, so. if you think about it, I mean that's the one thing is
0: I mean, I remember when I was learning how to weld and the first thing we started doing was making swords. And it was just like, we weren't, we were just making, you know, basically, you know, these were carbon; These were not carbon steel, anything. Right. They were just like getting a piece of flat bar and making it look like a, and I, and it. And it seemed to me that that would probably be more advantageous financially than selling real swords in terms of volume.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, so... Things like our show and Forge and Fire and things like that have really brought knife making in general, like into the, I don't want to say pop culture, but like popular culture. Sure. Like brought them into the into the you know foreground. Until then, you know, if you were gonna go into business full time making swords, if you will, uh, you needed to find someone that was also making money with those swords. So theaters, stage performers. Things like that. that Those people were making their paycheck by using a sword on stage. So then you're providing the product. That was one of the only really ways you could do it for real. Of like course. Making, who uses a sharp sword to make money? Very well, few people.
0: Obviously, they need to be... The price has got to be right because, I mean, right. you know, some, you know, stage company isn't going to be, you know, no. p- putting, you know, buying ten you know $10,000 knives, swords. Yep. I mean, I know. I, I, I totally... That's one of the things about... You know when i think about tony swatton and you know how he's you know made his bone i mean he's a pro- you know he's a professional blacksmith yep. he's for sure i mean if he wanted to i would imagine that i mean if he wanted to off the street become a master bladesmith he'd go down to atlanta and i think off the street he's he gets a master bladesmith and he knows what he's doing but at the same time it's just like you know we're not really arming armies anymore with yeah. knives and if you can like do a get a good contract with a production company or a movie house who's what's wrong with that
1: yeah and i mean that said you're probably right um and most people would assume that you know me having made a hundred thousand pieces that i could do the same thing with the abs but honestly right now i'm because of covid and everything my whole scheduling has gotten messed up i really wanted to test for my junior uh not junior smith uh Journey. journeyman i always say junior journeyman last year it should year. be junior but, <laughs> it
0: should be junior. Yeah. It totally should be junior. I always junior. say junior Smith. But it should be Smith. junior. Master and junior. It should be yeah. junior. But I'm going to call it junior from now on.
1: But honestly, going from what I did to then trying to do things to the ABS standard and the fit and finish and you know, all of that has been... I have to relearn everything. I ground Love everything it. on a contact wheel. Um, my polishes were good enough to be seen from a stage. They looked mirror, but if you got up on them, mm-hmm. nope. Um My grinds, you know, grinding a blunt sword. You don't have to worry about things being meeting directly in the center. Just perfect. So your edge is perfectly true. I've had to relearn a lot. And honestly, like people who just assume like when I've said on my YouTube show, like, hey, you know, I'm going for my my journeyman and hopefully eventually my master smith. And a lot of people were like, oh, you're already a master You shouldn't have to take that test. They should just let you in and you would assume that but that is not the case like when you see a lot of these things that you see in the movies up close and hold them in your hands they're gappy they're they might rattle like movie magic is truly a thing so relearning things to that level of of scrutinies has definitely been a challenge and a fun one to be honest who thought like 25 years into making stuff that i'd still be able to re-challenge myself and every day That's the,
0: I mean, that's the best thing. The best thing is is to be able to constantly learn, you know, but the, the interesting thing is, is in one of the things that you have reached into is your kind of follow, I don't know if I say followers, but the people who watch your videos or watch, um, man at arms reforge, or who've watched the, or who watch, you know, that works. These are people who are most likely not knife makers. I mean, I would imagine most of them are like, you know, kids, and so, gamers definitely and fantasy people and without a very little because i get all to this day i mean i I've, I've i've let my apprentice you know my abs apprentice license lapse i don't even remember how long ago and it's <laughs> like it to me it's like for me personally it would be a feather in my cap but at the same time it's just like i'm not really it's yeah. it's not even doesn't even cross my mind honestly.
1: that's what I, I mean dude i said that to myself for years and i actually joined back in 2009 Thinking that I was gonna start my journey there and for whatever reason I remember my card didn't go through or something and I was supposed to call him back and and repay and I never did and then I just drugged my feet and never did it never did it never did it like I regret I regret it at the same time I I thought I was at the level that would have worked back then it probably probably wasn't good enough to do it back then anyway but uh, honestly what happened was I told you how I wrote, wrote an article called blades of the brethren for Pirates magazine I did an article on Kevin Cashin familiar ha uh, yeah yeah okay. the, the king of heat treatment super good I mean, super good right
0: he's, I, he's the man kevin cash so, is the man
1: so i did an article on him um because he had made kind of like a hunt sword with uh, little acorns forged in damascus all kinds of really cool stuff to it and i said hey like here's my chance to reach out to like an abs guy and, and talk to him and we talked back and forth through email doing the generic questionnaire kind of thing and then we decided to do a phone call at the end and he's very short like on words like his he's very short with his answers and he was very i wouldn't say uptight but he wasn't loose with me talking at all and as soon as the interview part was over it's like a veil dropped and all of a sudden he was very fluid and he's he told me basically no matter how good you think you are now how no matter how many people you think uh are familiar with your product and you'll always be able to sell stuff he's like there's nothing you could do for your career better and becoming an abs mastersmith and if you have the skill level like spend the money spend the time and you know it's like it's a weird investment because it's six at least six years before you can be a mastersmith but he's like do it you get put on a on a you know a list and some people just collect one thing from every mastersmith and he's like uh. you'll just always have work of making nice things and it's something like i can't encourage you to do more and i kind of shrugged it off but it like it's one of those things where I'd be sitting at the grinder all day, grinding swords. And I would just think about that conversation I had with him over and over and over. And ultimately, uh, once I broke out on my own and, you know, did blade show for the first time, um, I was like, all right, you know, I met Franco. I met, uh, you know, some of the top knife makers that were winning all the awards. Like it was weird. Cause I know. I know, and I felt at the time that I was not good enough to be in this crowd of Smiths, and but they would approach me saying how they loved my work and how they loved the shows and stuff like that, and it was like so weird. I'm shaking yeah. to pick up this forty thousand dollar Bowie knife that he handed to me, and he's shaking because I was on a stupid YouTube show, like yeah. I didn't earn my. I felt like I didn't earn my way into that, at all. And uh, that after that first year going to Blade, I think it was two thousand. I think 2009 2018 2000 what was the last time last time was 2000 so 2018 uh, I think it was uh 2019 i think yeah so 2018 was my first time and um after that i was like all right i got like it wasn't money driven or anything like that i just wanted to i wanted to go through the proper steps to get the respect from that level of craftsman just like everyone else like not just because i'm a face that knows how to talk on camera I wanted it because i did the same thing you did and here's what i could do and that was what really drove me to to start down the abs and well, let's face it like you can say what you want about the abs i've heard all kinds of different things but like where else are you going to get a master bladesmith title like it no is, i mean it there's is the no standard. question no question
0: yeah? it is interesting for a couple of things because it depends on which master bladesmith you talk to True. You know, I've talked to a number of them and they all tell you this different, something different, you know? And, oh, yeah. And I was encouraged to join by Aaron Wilburn and I did. And he's such a good dude. And you, you talk to, you talked to half of them they'll say it don't mean anything. Yeah. You know, you, or, or it's, or it's, or it's it's uh i remember bob kramer said that it's you know you're never really finished being a man you're never really no done absolutely it's not. like it's it's just like a point it's not it's not yeah. your destination but what interested me to, about what you said in regards to when people met you and they were talking about your show and you were like you didn't feel like you were to, you were you know if you're the way you were describing you didn't feel like you were worthy to be there whatever however you kind of want to mm-hmm. say it the interesting thing is is There weren't a lot, there are not a lot of shows that do what you did. And it was a, it was an important way for people to be able to see the the work. Forge and Fire, whatever you want to say about it, it doesn't really show the actual day-to-day work in regards to how things are done. They don't explain how things are really done. So you don't, you have a, you have a poor vision in regards to how these things are built versus, you know, your shows. I can imagine. Like I remember when I was a welder. First time when I was a welder, when I was I, before I was center for Mental arts. And Jesse James show came on. do uh, sure. I don't remember which one it was. Garage monster. monster Western Choppers or something. I'd never seen anyone. I'd never seen any weld before on TV. And I was I had a MIG welder. I was working in a shop. We had a MIG welder that looked like his. Mm-hmm. Same thing with um, uh, Orange County Choppers. And I liked to watch it because I felt like, oh, they're doing what I kind of am doing. Right, and that to me was like I appreciated for that point of view, and I would imagine that, that's the way a lot of these guys saw what you were doing.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: One and one, go ahead. I was gonna say I was gonna change. Oh, no, you. What were you gonna say? Because I was gonna change. Gears I was just gonna
1: say bit. like the one thing you you touched on earlier was like a lot of people that watch you know Man in Arms and that works are like not Smiths. Um, and a lot of them are just like really kind of nerds of their. You know their favorite thing whatever it is anime video games it's funny when we do like our live streams on Instagram or something Ilya does more of them than I do um, but I do also read all the comments on our YouTube thing a, a lot of people don't realize that they're probably never going to do this craft but so many of them think that they will at some right. point that they all ask the same questions as if they were outside already working in their garage yeah. so it it, it's kind of a weird level of responsibility that you have uh you know what you teach what you say uh they write it down (laughs) like it's funny it's like a weird line you have to cross like do i want to get super technical with this person and talk over their head do i want to keep it dumbed down but then the people that really want to do it will be bored So, it's kind of like, it's always been a challenge of like, are we teaching? Are we entertaining? I like to say that our channel is less of look what we can do and more what you can do. uh, Where a lot of YouTube channels are just like, look what I can do. And you don't really know what they did. They just end up with something cool at the end. I I like to add some of that teaching quality and I always have. Um, But it is like, it is kind of a weird thing. Like, do you want to inspire everyone to get out there? I personally do. I love, I mean, I got a just a couple couple months into doing man on reforge i got an email from a girl who said you know I'll, n- I'll never be a blacksmith but just watching you guys make stuff encouraged me to get grandma's uh sewing machine out of the attic and start making stuff and to me that was like yep that's exactly why i'm doing this like make stuff this generation kind of before forging and fire and all that like just it felt like it like craft was dying um uh, around like 2008 2009 i felt like craft in america in general was just kind of eh, and not to, and kids these days weren't really all that interested in it and it definitely made a comeback and i i don't i wouldn't ever take any credit for it but like i like to think even if i inspired a handful of people that it that it was worth it
0: well you know these kinds of things these youtube shows podcasts especially you you <laughs> You, you're tapping into a subconscious development where people ha- develop a relationship with you, sure. whether you realize it or not. And they just, yep. they almost feel like they're in the room with you Yep.
1: in regards right. to
0: the, you were going to say,
1: I was going to say, yeah, it's blown my mind. Like we do, we, we haven't done them since COVID obviously, but we usually do a lot of conventions, not just knife maker conventions, but like video game and anime conventions where we'll take some of our builds and uh, you know, just basically we're not really selling anything. We just want to meet people, shake their hands and then, you know, whatever let them see some of the items we've made up close it's so funny how many times i mean countless times we have somebody come up to us and say oh man i remember when you did this and and you said that like you know you ripped your shirt and you had to get it like little details that i didn't even remember myself and i'm the one who had it happen to me that they remembered that's how like invested some of these people are it's amazing well it's
0: In regards to the teaching, you know, I, I actually I, I watched a lot of the videos on on that works are great. One of the I things that. I wanted to just kind of touch upon is is there was a video you you do with Ilya. Now, Ilya is a fascinating individual, and he's a <laughs> character. He's a total
1: character. Oh, he is. Yeah, he is a
0: character, and he did a video on the way to forge a bevel mm-hmm. on that works. <laughs> it was so interesting the way he taught it and the way he explained it and the way he showed examples and the, and the way he, the interesting thing about Ilya, and I don't know, I don't even know if we've met before. I know he followed me. This is not a problem with B, but this, I think <laughs> it's funny. He's a, he's a smart guy, Yeah, obviously. I mean, he, if he can, if he is smart in his second language, yeah. that's good. that's like good enough for me. Talented. <laughs> I'm incredibly talented bladesmith. He's drawings on his, I just walked to looked at his, uh, some of the drawings. He's, he's an extraordinarily talented guy. Oh yeah, he followed me for a few minutes and then he probably got sick of my horse shit. I don't blame him he he's not following me, which is fine he, I loved I loved that video because the way he describes what's going on is such a he's got such a mastery of exactly yeah. what he's saying in a in a in his second language,
1: sure, and that is like his number one pet peeve what how people forge especially their bevels. He that was dude so the, that, that was that the was theme a culmination the that was a culmination of years. So we don't not only do full builds on that works, we also do a series called Your Edge where we focus on a very specific thing. So in like these big builds, you might see him hand bevel a knife for like, man, 20 seconds, maybe a minute tops, and you're not really getting the like shot for shot what we're doing. So those are like meant to really break things down and and really go in depth with it. And we haven't done too many of those lately, honestly, just because of time and sponsored videos and all kinds of stupid reasons. But we're going to do more of them. But yeah, the 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 Forging Bevels is like his bigot, biggest pet peeve. And for years, like, you know, you see little Instagram videos of like, I, can't, I will not throw any names out, but of Don't. people forging who might be Master Smiths or like incredibly talented craftsmen. And it's like they're doing this little, like, pinching motion.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking ammo, about.
1: And it's like, oh, no, that, like, broke his heart for so long. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Back straight. You know, yeah. hammer this way. Do this. You're going to blow out your elbow. Like, how many people blow out their elbows? Tons of them. Uh, So we really went into depth, and he had a really neat way of explaining it. To this day, I think that's our most... uh informative, mo- like, adds the most to the bladesmithing community video we've ever done. And looking back on it, like, you know, I hate how I shot it. Like, I wish I could reshoot it. We probably will do an update at some point. But, uh, yeah, that is, like, that's his thing. Like he I deb- would agree with you.
0: I would agree with you because I've watched a lot of your videos, and that one spoke to me because... Yeah
1: it was so
0: well explained how he took some wood and then he explained yep. how the wrought iron is in grains. Yep. And then if you hit it, if you hit it, if you hit it straight down and you're pushing it too hard, you're, you know, you're cracking the grains as opposed to um, putting the, you know, lifting the bevel and then pressuring right. it in and packing the blade. It was a very, very, it was to the point where I was just like, that's a fucking good one. And yeah. I was, I it what it really kind of brought me back to was one of the things about all the things that you've done in terms of Mad Madden Arms, Reforge, and that works, is what I like is, and back to what I was originally saying in regards to what's the role of the modern-day blacksmith, you guys have done so many historical builds. And they're fascinating like the katana in and, and the and the just you know when you guys were doing the bloomery steel mm-hmm. and you had all those guys around and you were you know you were explaining the the i the funny thing is that when i watched that video i was just like this is 18 minutes long they are they are still <laughs> having forged that blade it's they're yeah. going to cut it sh- the production company's going to cut that fucker short yeah because there was no like hand sanding there's no yeah. like you know the, the whole thing it was like it was so fascinating from a historical perspective but what it interests me especially now is because you're able to fabricate and build these things, you're able to not just do historical stuff, like, you know, I mean, Forge and Fire, they do historical stuff, but you're able to take a video game or a movie and say, okay, let's take this practice of blacksmithing and bladesmithing and apply it to, you know, this video game sword or something like that. And I and I'm, I'd love the fact that you guys can go from, from both And what it does is it also gives you a very, very, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, you got a big well to go to if you need to.
1: Yeah, and just like we said before, I mean, what I said before about how like I, I wanted to make sure every video we did because it was somebody's favorite, you know, video game item or whatever. So I took a lot of, uh, you know, responsibility and was very careful with how I treated those. It's even more so when you do historical stuff because you're talking about people's actual heritage. Right. So, like, for instance, when we did, for the TV show, we did some African weapons. Like, we really had to research how they did that. Otherwise, like, you know, where Forged and Fire falls way, 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 way short is, like, those final projects that people think are historical fi- final projects. They're very far from historical. They're starting from a bar of 5160 or something like that. No, you got to start from dirt. How did they make their metal? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Why did they have that metal? Who did they trade with to get it? How did they smelt their own silver? Like, that's truly historical. Now, we can't always go into full depth like that. uh, Just time, budget, all that kind of thing, but it is something you have to consider with everything, and, you know, with Ilya, he's he's really devoted his last, you know, I'd say almost 10 years to, you know, how the Japanese do all their different bladesmithing techniques, and um, it's very important to him to show the right things, and if like I do an edit, you know, of one of those videos, I have to make sure I show it to him because he'll be like, no, no, no. I swung the hammer slightly off here and it is it is horrible. He's like change it, even though it's better than most of any of us could ever do. He's like, you know, very careful with what he shows. And like even down to when he solders his sabaki on his his katanas, like he really doesn't want to show it because he knows he might not be doing it 100 percent accurate, even though it might work. And that's like a completely different attitude to, to, to some popular YouTubers who just say if it works, you know, then it's fine. But for him, it if you're doing something historical, there's even more pressure than if you're doing something from, say, a video game. So there's a lot to consider there. And working with Ilya, like, these are some things sometimes maybe I wouldn't have considered. And he, he does. He thinks about all that stuff, and it's very important to him. So it's it's interesting. For sure How did you hook up with him? Where did you find this man? Guy? I don't even remember Well, i it's not my fault. I know that <laughs> so actually uh everything everything's full circle in my story and and I don't realize it until I tell it but so like I said when we were doing these hammer ins uh every year, we had Tony Swatton come out to be our armor to you know demonstrate sheet metal and one year he had to cancel because of whatever production he was making whatever for um Kept him in LA. So, Carrie, my brother, put out online, like, Hey, is anybody out there that's, you know, does like actual hand raising and chasing and refuse and stuff like that and, and, and sheet metal would like to come demonstrate? And Ilya, who had just moved up here from Florida to DC to go to school, said, Yeah, I can do that work. You know, I'll come out and I'll do it. And so he came out and demonstrated. I thought he was obnoxious. Um, he, his talent was clear. Like, he forged a uh, like a helmet face that was an actual human face with the nose and eyes. Everything was amazing. He did it all in one day. And it was just like, okay, this guy's is amazing. And, and one thing led to another. And uh he asked my brother if he could just have some shop space, you know, some time here and there. He said he would help out with our product if he could get some after-hours work time to do some stuff to help pay for his college loans and stuff. And he kind of stuck around and he just ended up being a full-blown, you know, highly dependable craftsman at the shop for years and you know we didn't always we didn't I didn't really talk to him much for the first couple of years like uh Sam Salvati was working there with us and like him and I were kind of buddying around but Ilya was always the person outside working on sheet metal and it was like banging on a cymbal over and over it was so loud obnoxious like it's just it wasn't fun even though he was super talented it was hard to tolerate and uh somehow just he and I kind of Grew a mutual respect with each other and became friends, and
0: you almost came, became we like partners. Like if you yeah. watch those shows, yeah. If you watch the shows, you it it seems as though, and one of, one of the things I loved about it is is that there was this there was a separation of jobs to a certain degree. And he was mm-hmm. doing the forging, and then you were doing the grinding, and it was mm-hmm. really reminded me of that old school yeah. style of production where there was a guy who this was his job, and then he you know, handed it off to the next guy, and. Yeah. I love that about it. I it felt, felt like you guys had like a like a partnership.
1: No, a hundred percent, and it was like that it, without planning or, or it just happened. It evolved into it quickly. And honestly, um, I was doing more of the blade forging, um, right up until maybe like a year before we got the the show at our shop. I was doing it. He had never forged a sword. He was working on armor, and I was doing some Damascus on our old Iron Kiss hammer. And uh, he was like, hey, show me what you're doing. Tell me how that works. Why are you putting flux on it? Why are you doing this? And I told him, and like, boom. I mean, like, he grabbed a billet out of my hand, started forge welding. He went from forge welding his first Damascus billet to forge welding um, crucible steel and and working with crucible steel to, to making Japanese katanas from actual tahamagane from Japan within like two years. So he never he, did, he was no, he wasn't a blacksmith before he met you. He no, he was just kind of an iron like he just made armor, and it was really good. He's really amazing understanding with how metal works, and he's one of the things about. I don't know if you you've worked with a lot of uh, Slavic smiths, if you will, um, or Europeans in general, seem to either be super tentative or have like no fear, like jump in, super aggressive hammer swings, like it's he comes from a from a very traditional painting background and he'll tell he'll tell stories all day long about that about how he learned how to paint if he had little dainty brush strokes instead of real broad ones his teacher would just come over and rip up his whole painting so he always was very broad with all of that and he transferred that into his metalworking, like like that that's what makes him who he is he's huh. fearless he's aggressive and uh really something that unless you really listen to a lot of his talks, which a lot of some people don't like to listen to him talk forever. Some people love to. Um, he's a constant student. Where yeah. so like I consider my student, like my my classroom time is when I'm at a grinder uh, teaching myself how to grind in a plunge grind better or, you know, this, that, and the other, do it without a file guide or something like that. His classroom time is very traditional classroom. Like he is studying to a t every book you can get his hands on and he remembers everything so he he's constantly quoting like blah 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 in the 13th century said that you should do it this way i'm hmm. like oh, what okay <laughs> so, <laughs> people people learn based on what they i mean yeah he, everyone learns style. He's, he's got multiple degrees in asian studies and all kinds of different stuff so like he's he's like a student in more of a classical sense so when he started a lot of people when they go from one craft say a lot of a lot of people that i know that make knives these days were woodworkers of one sort of some sort and then they just got into bladesmithing or blacksmithing they kind of jump into it and it's always a hobby and it's fun for him and like he did it a couple days and went okay like i'm gonna learn everything about it and now even though i have i have like 18 years experience ahead of him he's teaching me stuff all the time which is it's humbling and sometimes it gets very very annoying i bet uh but uh at the same time it's it's pretty awesome to have somebody like that, you know, next to you all the time, always pushing. Nothing's ever good enough for him. He's got that Russian attitude. So like everything I do is wrong. Yeah. And I should always <laughs> be practicing more. And, you know, that kind of attitude. Uh like I said, started off probably while we weren't friends at first and now it's like, Oh, he's actually doing that because he gives a crap about me and yeah. and wants me to be you know, doing things right and and showing the craft in in the right light instead of showing improper forging or right. you know all that stuff. Like there's, eh, if we just did a podcast on just. The relationship between me, me and Ilya. That Get his ass on here hours. sometime. I, I'll talk oh, to him. I mean, i like it. I mean, it'd be nice if he luck, good re- luck. followed
0: me again. I mean, you know, he didn't yeah, anyway. unfollow me. He probably heard some bullshit I said. He was like, I don't need this American anymore. <laughs> but Russians it. and Israelis are pretty much the same. I mean, it's just like, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like, you know, you're not doing it right. And just that's the way it is. What are you doing? He's um, rarely
1: wrong. I mean, he's wrong sometimes, but he is rarely wrong. It's just... I think a lot like so. Chris Cash is who we, I mean, I don't know if we didn't really do all the background story, but we're we share a shop with Chris Cash now doing that works and at he's Mount Phil Metalworks. Chris has had his own shop for a while, like, he's used to working by himself and a lot of his projects he goes with the flow and he doesn't have like super um, strict lines of where he's going with it. And he, that's his sculpture, yeah, that's how his sculpture works. So Having a guy like Ilya in the workshop can be very frustrating because Ilya has to have, like, dit, 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 dit. this is the plan, this is the goal. If you reach a different goal than you started out with, then you failed. And, like, it's hard to work with somebody like that. For me, <laughs> when I'm forging a knife, I almost always have an idea of what I want. But if it, like, if I hit a curve where I have to take it a different direction and of av- what I call, like, evolving it into something else, I have no problem with that. And I'll just tackle what I wanted to. Originally on the next knife, but he'll. Ilya has a pile of blades that went slightly different than how his initial intention was that are just laying on the floor. Like, he will not do that. And, uh, eh, for better or for worse, I guess, uh, I just it it does hurt your brain sometimes working with a guy like that.
0: That is a sense of discipline that a lot of people, I mean, I would imagine that. I mean, I've seen like I, I've seen his, his drawings on okay. his uh, Instagram there's a there's a very, very deliberacy to everything he sure. does. And I would imagine it gets to the point where certain people, that's their way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What brings me to, it was interesting, was watching, um, and I, you know, I watched the video you guys did. I think it was the Kill Bill. You did the the uh, mm-hmm. Tori Tonzo sort. And yeah. then afterwards there was... I think it's funny and I think it's, I think it's great, but I can imagine there was a lot of screaming and hollering. You guys did a SpongeBob SquarePants.
1: Oh, knew you were going to say that.
0: Well, I mean, I gotta give you, we gotta, I mean, we're going to talk, we need to talk contrast. Yeah. The, what I liked about it is it seemed as though your brother was like, let's just do this. It seemed as though the other yeah. guys in the shop were just like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, and it 100%. seems as though you and Ilya were like, fuck this. I don't want anything to do with this.
1: That is a hundred percent how it went. and it. You know, in the comment section. We try to on Man in Arms, we've really tried to make the most requested items. That was number one the goal. So, okay. so
0: just let me just to set it up. So you guys got a requested to do the spatula mm-hmm. from the cartoon SpongeBob SquarePants. Mm-hmm. And it had three spatulas and it had a propeller yeah. on it and it was like all this bullshit. And then you're in the beginning, your brother's <laughs> in there wearing you wearing like a, you know the SpongeBob SquarePants yeah. glasses and he's mm-hmm. in a box and you open the box and mm-hmm. there he's in fooling around. And I get the feeling like in your heart you're just like I don't want to do
1: this i didn't want to do it i mean the only way they got me the only way the producers talked me into doing anything in that is that i kind of got to like freeze everything as if i was making fun of my brother and that was the only reason that i was okay with it so we had turned down doing that for multiple seasons tons and tons of seasons for whatever reason the the fans always trolled us with that that was like something that When you have 7.5 million subscribers, I guess it's easy to jump on a wave, and they all jumped on it. Like, it would be the number one requested thing for a long time. And it was like, okay, well, you know, we're legitimate Smiths, and this is kind of like a slap in the face for us to do this, you know? At the same time, maybe we were taking ourselves way too seriously. However, in the time that Carrie, the season that Carrie decided to do that was our very last one, and... I guess from his perspective to be fair he wanted to give the fans what they wanted because we knew it might be the last one but from Ilya and i's uh perspective it was possibly the last season and let's do something you know legit that right that we can really hang our hats on instead of being like just do something literally just for reviews that is just a joke and uh it actually caused a lot of tension between all of us craftsmen at the shop uh, for a while and like Ilya was like livid about it and really? I was I was not quite livid but I just was like this He was livid. livid to the point where he said he wouldn't do it and he was like okay with since Carrie never really did any forging anyway he was okay with Carrie doing the forging and then like if you want a little like I'll give you a little gossip a little behind the scene gossip I don't like to do too much of it but like for instance when my brother forged uh, he made a bunch of different spatulas Or two of them I think I told him that one of the important things about spatulas spatula Is that little like S bend right? So like your knuckles don't drag on the yeah. grill When you flip it And he told me it was ridiculous and that's not important So then when we get to the demo To do the uh, He didn't do it uh, A lot of things with me and my brother We were very stubborn If one of us came up with the idea no matter what It wasn't going to happen You know what I mean Like right. yeah, I had to like bait him into thinking it was his idea And he had to do the same thing for me So that's just brother stuff but uh, when it came to do the demo, he's flipping burgers on a grill, and he couldn't he couldn't do it because he didn't have a bend in it. So he stuck it on the ground and bent it with his foot to make it work. <laughs> and it was like that kind of thing. That whole build was just so silly. Um, I'm sure he's okay with the fact that he did it, but uh, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know. know, I I think sometimes we did take ourselves too seriously, but at the same time, we didn't want to waste uh, one of our last builds on doing something that didn't have any purpose whatsoever. I understand. And it's not like, how are you going to research the proper way to forge a spatula? Like, it's kind of...
0: But it's but you know it it brings you to the idea of like you're crossing so many different narratives in terms of the direction that you're going. You got these historic things, but then you get the pop culture things, and you know some of these dorks on the internet aren't going to tell you let's do that. You know that special spear from Nigeria. It's just not going to happen. It's you're going to end up with like I saw this. You know you know let's see the you know spatula from SpongeBob. Honestly, it's like I think I thought it was fun because it was like. It was you guys were
1: just willing to do whatever, yeah, whatever. But and that's I fine. Can, There's nothing wrong with that. Like you no, can of have course. fun on YouTube. Uh, I it's just, just, you know, it was one of those things. It was just at the time it, it sucked. Well,
0: <laughs> it was the. I mean, it was really the crux of, you know, the purity of, you know, what you're doing versus, you know, kind of like monkeying for the TV. You know, monkeying for the. You know, being. Yeah. You know, and it's not just
1: that. Like at the time, Ilya was trying to get a, a real apprenticeship in Japan with a uh you know somebody that's done it their whole life and he didn't want to be a part of a build that they would point at and go why would you do that why would you make fun of yourself or your craft you know so like like i said you know in retrospect maybe we were taking it too seriously but i think when any of us were that against something we probably should have just moved on because we were pretty probably we were pretty good about it we were a pretty good team on deciding what to build so that was like that's like the major headache it's funny that you're Bring that up,
0: <laughs> uh, but well, I mean, I mean, I'm tr- I was trying to think about all the different kind of that's different way, you know, the different <laughs> rivers in which you guys were, you know, pulling yeah. from. Yeah. And it was like the, the 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 teaching, the super historical, and then the the like all the video. I mean, I'm too old to under. I mean, I'm not a, a video game guy. So like when I looked at all the, the the projects you guys have done based on video games, I'm like, I can't relate to this at all. I I have no. I have no sure you know I'm taking it for what it's worth I, you know the, the what's I was thinking about you guys a lot because back in I guess 2000 2000 2001 when I was in the restaurant business we were um, we were we had our boss came with their kids for dinner in the restaurant and the kids were going crazy and my business partner at, and now who was this head chef back then said go down to the you know we, we would he and I would go get comic books and he said go get some comic we'll get the comic books for these kids So these kids were going bananas and the parents mm-hmm. the, the the father was the only couldn't do anything ran downstairs grabbed some comic books gave him the comic books quelled the table the, the the boss was happy and everything like that but the funny thing was was the wife's cousin worked for dc comics mm-hmm. and we had given them all marvel comics we were marvel i'm growing Ooh. up in new york city you know spider-man <laughs> was from queens I'm yep. with spider-man and they said well we're dc family we need to re-educate you so they gave us a tour of dc comics wow and we got to go to dc comics which was in the same building as mad magazine we got a tour we met everybody i ended up meeting jeff johns who did redid the hawkman uh, back in you know like 2000 2001 he redid the hawkman thing and we got i get to meet jim lee and you know it was really really cool and then as a gift for our friend i made uh, a batarang i made a uh, like a adam nice. west style batarang sure and what was interesting was, is they invite when they saw the batarang, they invited me back. I ended up making a hawkman helmet for somebody there, and I I'd let, it's still there. It's probably rusting away on somebody's shelf. <laughs> and what was interesting to me was, and it brings me to what we're going. When I was, we were walking around and they were showing us. And I had been a metal worker, and I was, you know, taking a break and being in the, in the restaurant industry. We went to this case, and it had all the batarangs from all the movies, and it, they were clean and crisp and, and, um, and, you know, shiny and, you know, you know, like movie props. And then they, I had my Batarang, which was like, you know, it was the kind of Adam West style. There was no like head on it. And it was like, I used gun bluing to kind of darken it. And it kind of like had some scratch on it because I had thrown it against the wall a couple (laughs) of times. And I said, the interesting thing is, is I said, my Batarang is more believable because, you know, Batman's making these things. He's probably throwing them against the walls and stuff that's one of the things i like about what you guys are doing in terms of like you're making it what it would look like not sure. the, you know the the um the movie variation and it was mm-hmm. interesting because i had this thing with these marvel people because when they you know or the when the dc people with the with the way they make you know draw everything and they everything's drawn like this comic book way and it's this Hollywood way and then the props are all very Hollywood and it isn't Mm. it isn't believable it's not gritty like they've been thrown against the wall or been used and when I look at the videos that you've done it's it feels as though the swords that you're making are not um they weren't made for movies they're made for people like you did one recently on that works where it was you was a blacksmith sword that you had the handle was like was that old school trick where you coil up the brown bar or like sometimes you, um you it was it uh it had four thing uh four uh,
1: yeah the dark soul sword yeah. dark
0: soul sword yeah you did a process on that where i i did that with uh c channel where you twist it around and around mm-hmm. and it creates this kind of handle but it feels as though that the stuff that you're doing is actually being used it isn't yeah. just like a museum piece
1: yeah i mean honestly that was, there's a lot of decisions when you when you get into like making like a pop culture thing real because you know proportions are always weird they're always super big in one way or another the handles are almost always round so there's no way to index that edge so we always kind of turn a round handle and slightly ovate it so you can still do that and um then you're you're talking about the most simple part of it is like the textures like textures in a comic book might be a whole blade might be gray you know what i mean so right. then you're you're stuck with Do I do that or do I take what this blade is close to historically and try to do that so then I fulfill one of my goals of making some sort of historical aspect of, of a piece or do I stick really true to it and spray paint the thing gray? Like, you know, like there's, there's a lot of give and take and I think now that works now that I have no producers, now that I have no one telling me no besides Ilya, um, we we do a lot more of of trying to to tie everything into what its historical counterpart would have been. That's that's uh, what's
0: so fascinating because you're taking that old school technique and applying it yeah. to this modern day yep. construction. And, and it know, doesn't it's giving always this work. Realism.
1: It doesn't always work, but you, you give it a try. You know, it's really quite simple to like to do most of these builds the easiest way. You know, plasma cut the part, put a little yeah. edge on it. Uh, casting stuff like that but like we try to show you not always but a lot of times we try to at least show you one or two processes within a a build that that relate to how it would have been done and, and throw in some of those tidbits and that really means a lot to both of us doing it that way not only in the forging but also in the grinding and i know a lot of people always and not so much now but they used to really wrangle me like oh you say it's a historical build but i see you using a a broadbeck's ironworks so uh, sander there i'm like well you know They had those things too, believe it or not. You know, they had grinding stones and they had all kinds of stuff. Maybe it didn't have five horsepower motor attached to it, but the techniques are all the same. That's like saying like uh on that same build you were saying on Dark Souls, uh the blacksmith uh Lexi that did that used an air chisel to do some of the chiseling work. Right. right. I mean, that's the same technique as if you did it with a hammer and chisel. You just saved yourself half a day. So like I get it. And and sometimes maybe we'll at least if there's like four things we might show you the right way or the old way on one of them and then speed up and do it like quicker on the others but uh you know
0: that stuff's not there's a give and
1: take yeah and, and like Dude. the question like you said earlier like what's the role of the modern blacksmith and, and i think for me it's it's most definitely like carrying on the traditions and also finding more efficient ways to do it so that You can make money in the modern world because it's not easy. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be rich, but you do need to pay the bills and you do need to put food on the table. So doing it all 100%, you need to know how to do it the proper and old school way. You 100% should have to do it that way first. It's just like learning a math problem, how they used to teach you the long way. And then after you conquered that, they'd show you the short and easy way to do a math problem. It's just like that for me with blacksmithing. I believe like you got to learn the old school, how the masters did it, or at least how the blacksmiths of old did it. And then if you can, if you have the ingenuity inside you to figure out a faster way that still keeps the spirit alive, I don't have a problem with that. And that was really hard, like, for me, when I first started doing Man-in-Arms, and I was going to these blacksmith events, uh, like hammer and whatnot at, at guild meetings and stuff, was, a lot of people were labeling me as like, you know, oh, that's the guy that just draws on cad and plasma cuts and grinds everything. I was like, well, yeah, but like you know, you have two other jobs and then your hobbies blacksmithing. Like, I'm trying to only do this. Right. Like, there is a give and take and you know, I'm not saying that I do everything that way. I know how to do it the hard way, but you know, some things you gotta speed up a little and yeah, I, I don't know. There, it, it is a it is a hard line to toe sometimes. You don't want to become uh, the guy who's dependent on modern tools. Like I said, learn how to do it right first, but I personally don't have a problem with with uh adding some ingenuity into modern blacksmithing. thing i just don't. I
0: don't i'll never understand where that sense of it's i don't like to say jealousy it's something else it's like this maybe it's irritation it's i don't know what it is that you people say that stuff i yeah. always say you know a knife talk i say just, just don't lie just say what you do and just yep. own it and if you're just if you're saying that you're forging, and you're not, and you're faking it, that's a different story. But I mean, who ultimately, it doesn't really matter. I mean, here's the funny thing is, hammers are the perfect example. Like, if if you're working by yourself, and you're making hammers, and you're using a hydraulic press to punch the hole, Mm -hmm. is that bad? I don't think that's bad at all. I think it's it's working smart. I think most of these (laughs) old school dudes, if they had a hydraulic punch to punch that slug out, they'd do
1: it too. Sure. I mean, I get it. I mean, these are things that we honestly talk about almost every day yeah. in the shop. And, I, you know, I couldn't work with two di- more different people. But oh. Chris Cash is 100% supportive of anybody who he calls a friend. He's 100% supportive of you. And, like, even if he comes in, he'll make fun of me plenty. He'll be like, oh, that looks like shit. But at the same time, you know, in the next sentence, he'll be like, yeah, keep going, buddy. Like, you're doing good. Like, Like, he's always super supportive. And then you have Ilya, who's, like, selectively supportive <laughs> if you're doing it right or not and uh it, it it's funny we talk about that i think you had gotten to a conversation with with Ilya Via Chris or something about the you know the role of the modern blacksmith and he uh we we talk about it multiple times a week and it's funny we all have different takes on it and it used for me it used to be almost all old grumpy dudes who would right. say like you know using power hammers cheating and stuff but now like a few years removed from it um Sometimes it's the the college nerdy know it all that that says the same thing. Oh, you said that's a historical Viking spear you made, but I saw you use a power hammer. I'm like, that's because we don't have you know six guys with sledgehammers. But it's the same damn thing. It's like people get hooked. People get yeah. roped into the nonsense. That's the problem. I, I, like, I get but messages, but I also I also like to be fair. I kind of appreciate that somebody cares to the point to make that complaint. Sure, you know, I get it. So, 100%. I, look, yeah.
0: look, I love the fact that you guys have built an old Japanese style forge. Yeah. for your katana katanas and with the, with the wooden pump and the and the different chambers and you you have there's such a there's such a beauty and uh, reverence towards what you're what you're doing and mm-hmm. i think that that's to be completely i mean that's super commend beyond commendable and yeah, seeing yeah. you guys like put the steel together the pieces and the it's got to be a certain way and you're wrapping it with the 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 the, the straw and the mud and it's just incredible I think that there's just, you know, it's, it's to the point where some of these people, my, as a, I've grown as a person in terms of now I'm looking for enlightenment. I really, it's like ultimately, <laughs> like, I honestly, you know, I don't even know, you know, I, I'm far looking for something far more different than whether or not somebody, yeah, I get messages all the time. You said that, uh, you know, you use
1: this word instead of, I was like, please yeah. leave me alone. It's, it's yeah. enough already. Who cares? I mean, I get it. I mean, there's certain pet peeves that I have, uh, like, when people say, you know, I put a hormone on this. Well, a homone is a very specific thing. Right. And there are multiple different kinds of homones. It's a very technical Japanese thing that almost defines a school of bladesmithing in that region of a culture that has been, that has no stoppage of making blades. They've done it for hundreds and hundreds of years and there's been no break. It's the only continuous culture that has done that. And you're calling what you did a when you have no idea what that is like. Just call it a temper line, or you know. But there's no way to change every. It's too late almost to change that terminology. But it really is like saying you took some bubblelicious and wrapped some seaweed and rice around it and call that sushi. No, it's not sushi. Like <laughs> you know, like it's very specific. Yeah. And uh you know, there's there's some things like that that I you know we all have our own pet peeves, and I get it. I do. I what it what, I,
0: ultimately ultimately it's like what you can live with i yeah. um bob kramer was on uh my friend uh mert uh mert tansu is on has a podcast called uh, knife making down under and uh, with uh kev slattery and corin it's a great podcast and they had bob kramer on and bob kramer, they were i mean you know bob kramer you, t- you didn't have to say three words he just talked the whole time he was fantastic sure. And what he said was, everything is based on how far you look at something. Like it you is. can look at it, how far back you look at it. And I think, but it's not just your knives, but everything else. No, I'm it sure, definitely like is. Like the guy who says the hamon is based on you know talking to people who probably don't have the the history,
1: you know, the the in, you know this the
0: information that you guys do.
1: Yeah, well, I he, mean that's a hundred percent true. I mean, take that forge like you you said you like the Japanese style forge that we made. Uh, when we first started doing Man-at-Arms, like, you know, Illy had read some books, but it wasn't that big of a deal, and sometimes you might see some shots where we're talking and you might see that Forge going in the background throwing sparks because it looked cool. Well, flash forward now where he's done a lot of research and he really cares about that culture and he's really trying to, you know, go legit with it and really learn the craft of old, uh... That Forge doesn't get turned on unless it's for the right reasons. Like, in our beauty shots, if you see it in the background, if it's on, it means that that was a traditional build that we did. If it's not on, I might have, like, fake lights making it look like it's glowing, but hmm. it's not because he will not allow that thing to be lit. Like, you're right. Like, thing, your perspective gets different the longer you look at something. So something that might have been okay to do as a backdrop for, uh, to make a shot look cooler five years ago is completely off limits to him now because he has put the time in and has looked at it longer and it means a lot more to him. And, um, you know, that I think you can say that with a lot of different things too.
0: I, I, that's, that's fascinating. I, I, I love the fact that there's this like, there's a personal growth, and then there's almost more like he's getting stricter. You both are getting now. Maybe not you. Maybe it's just him. He's getting stricter <laughs> and stricter in terms of what you what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. I think that that's um, he's like a zealot,
1: you know, a little bit. He can't be. I mean, he dribbles in my ears, and some some of the things, like the hormone thing, started off as like me joking. It was like no offense. I don't want to put anybody down but it was like kind of a newer beginner that was just had a couple of like things plasma cut or laser cut and slapped like really sloppy clay on and did an edge quench and it you know it did create a white line and he was going on about how you know this is his first Hamon and this is so beautiful and Hamon Hamon it was like this long every other word he said was homon and I was like dear god like, like you know that people in Japan are literally laughing at American Smiths that say that like it became after our conversations uh, back and forth, like he, that became one of my pet peeves. So a lot of his things do carry over. And let me tell you, like it might be annoying, but a lot of times he is right. And I don't want to admit that. I probably I hope he doesn't listen to this cause I wouldn't tell him to his face, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, but at the same time, this is a really, really fun craft. And if you're having fun and you use the wrong terminology, if you, if you're not an asshole about it, it's okay. Like try to learn and get better. But, uh, You know, I hope you're having fun. And if that's your goal, like, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna look down on you for that. I think it's
0: great. I think it's so great because, you know, there is, you know, I talked to a number of months ago, I talked to a friend of yours, Emiliano Carrillo. Sure. And you guys both were on Men at Arms uh, Reforged Art of War. Yep. And I loved the romanticism and the care he took in when he was taught, telling the story. And if you haven't listened to it, definitely listen to no, it. I it was a, I'm talking to a listener. I'm not talking oh, to Oh, okay, it. okay, okay. So it, it was a very, he has, he had a very, very deliberate and romantic notion in regards to how he wanted to forge this Beowulf sword for his mm-hmm. college uh graduate i think it was like a term a final paper or whatever yeah. and it was like he built a forge uh, he built a furnace and then the bloomery steel and it was like it's special the, i appreciate the fact that there are people like Ilya and and uh, miliano who who do you know celebrate this history and you know they don't they don't they don't take for granted the history that that was there they support it they celebrate it and then they um you know they figure out ways in which to use it and it's guys like that are the reason why you know this stuff can keep going otherwise it's everyone's plasma cutting shit out you
1: know yeah and i I mean i totally agree and and like once again there's nothing wrong with whatever level of craft you're doing like i don't care um i i support you and i hope you you're happy with what you're doing and you learn to progress and it is what it is but you know at some level You know, there's something to be said for the people like them that go that extra mile and really research it. Like, for instance, my first year uh, actually selling stuff at Blade Show, which was 2019, I made a Roman Gladius that was crazy pattern welded. Like, I actually had never made mosaic ever, and then I went and attempted this. And the whole reason that sparked was I dove down a crazy rabbit hole of pattern welding back in Rome and i don't know if you've looked into any of that but oh my god there's stuff that literally like smiths today are trying to figure out hmm. um that we really don't know how they did it um yeah and i went down that road and i said i'm going to try the craziest thing i possibly do and that's when i started doing the pattern welding and got into the to the mosaics and man that's a once you start down that road i had made tons of damascus but i had not done mosaic Whew. Pattern development is a true sickness. I stayed up at night many nights. I couldn't sleep just uh, looking at, like, say, a napkin, a pattern on a napkin, going, Oh my God, I could do that with this and that and the other. And if I did this and I flipped this here, and I, like, it, can be a, it can be a sickness.
0: I love how you have, you, you know, that's one of the, I've noticed it on a number of episodes of your shows, how you revel in the history. Revel? you, no, that's not the right word. you you, yeah, you, no. you, celebrate, you revel. That's right. Yeah. Revel. You revel in the, in the history. And then you, I, I can feel that you're really interested in kind of like, before you get into it, you really want to learn it. And I can imagine that mm-hmm. it's a very exciting adventure.
1: Yeah. I mean, dude, like just in knife making alone. If you're just on modern knives, there's, there's it's endless stuff to learn. Like you will never master all of it. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think it's possible. Once you think you're at the tippy top of doing uh, mono steel blades, then you're going to learn folded and pattern welding. Once you do that, you're going to learn the next stage. And then, oh, what's the next challenge? Maybe doing woots or doing starting from bloom steel. and There's always something to learn. But if you add in the historical elements, uh, smiths from one specific culture didn't perfect their craft by the time they died how are you going to perfect all of those cultures like there's a lot and people think oh well you have a power hammer you should be able to do it (laughs) that's cute like just (laughs) just the engraving techniques on the detail from all the different cultures that we've done are so drastically different um by engraving i mean like you know, the etched patterns or the, you know, the hammer and chisel work that you do after a piece is completed and inlay and how there's so many different ways just to inlay a piece of gold onto a piece of steel. So Mm. many, uh, it's, it's fun. I mean, that's one of the cool things about doing what we do is, you know, I go through these lulls just like every other craftsman. Don't get me wrong. Like a couple months ago, I was kind of coming into the shop and I was like brain dead. I didn't know what to make. And, And I go through that stuff too, but you know, the one thing that breaks me out is the next book I pick up is gonna have. I know I'm gonna get inspired by it, and other makers do it too. Like, uh, you know, following you or following people like Nick Angier. Like, I love Nick. When I don't have any inspiration, I look at his work because that dude, he just has whatever it is. He has it. Like he he just has fun with. You can tell every piece he makes, he had fun with. And uh, he's the anti Ilya. He's the anti When he came and visited our shop, it was the funniest thing, because I was so proud of. I think it was, I think I had just done my first mosaic billet ever, which was just like an an explosion pattern. Which like I was so proud because every line met up just right, and I had just done the restack to you know the four times restack to get that explosion at the end, and and Nick stopped by and like we're he's working on a katana and talking to him all and then he comes, Well, oh, what you working on? I was like, Oh, this is my first mosaic. I was all excited to see it. And good old Nick just like, oh, one of them fucking four bangers. Awesome. <laughs> and like that was it. Like I'm like, this is like pour my heart out. Look at look what I've been working on. It. Like, oh, one of them four bangers. Awesome. <laughs> and uh Nick OJ is I,
0: one of the great he's the greatest. He's I, the greatest.
1: I, I wish he lived closer. I would spend much more time with him. He cracks me up. And I never knew until that day I met him that he was that big. He's I had no idea. He had to duck to get on our shop door. He's a big dude. That was hilarious. He's a big
0: dude. I um, that is one thing. I you know there is something to be said about it. and. To Nick Ange is one of these guys that like he he allows him he there's like he's kind of closer to being like a contemporary artist like a contemporary sculptor than a bladesmith because he allows the material to be whatever the material is and he's not he doesn't really fool too much with the trappings of history or anything like that he's just trying to like get something out and it's i i appreciate i appreciate him on so many levels he's just a fascinating character here's the question i have for you in regards uh, to your videos now on uh that Uh works all right when you come up with something i i'll tell you the reason the reason why i uh, when you come up with a, with a video mm-hmm. that you're going to do do you plan it out very far in advance uh
1: oh, sometimes i'd love to say that we always do um sometimes uh we do like a sponsored build for a video game or something and we have a stupid deadline most of the time i i say no but sometimes i say yes and we're like we go from the initial talk to the making of it th- 3 days later and just make the video and go with it some things like the um tanjiro's katana that we did which is our best performing video on our on our uh our youtube channel Uh, that was something that took you know that was in the works for a year literally so you know he would work on it a little here a little there um we knew that that would be we didn't know you never know youtube is YouTube is can really break your heart sometimes. You might put all the love in the world into a video and it gets no views, and then your next video you consider it to be absolute crap and it gets millions of views. So, hmm. but that's one we really felt would be good. We we knew it was like highly requested. It had been highly requested for years, and that that took a long time. Um, other things happened, like uh, when the last Assassin's Creed video game came out, they did like they didn't give anyone heads up. They just all just just like overnight did this artist thing where he drew the cover of the video game and it displayed this battle ax on it. And I literally came into the shop the next day, like Ilya, we're making this ax today. He was like, no, I got to do that. I was like, dude, if you're not making it, then I'm making it. We have to be like, we got to be on this, like do it now while it's hot. Let's get on it. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's that. And, um, so you know usually i'd like to say we give ourselves about a month's heads up before we jump into a build Uh, but sometimes it's the next day and sometimes it's a year later
0: because this is why i was i was thinking about it because i made it i made a culinary knife for henry golden Golding, Mm -hmm. henry golding and i ended up making a couple of my friend nico uh was the set photographer for the gi joe snake eyes movie and beforehand, he said, I'm going to go out to Japan to film this thing. I said, listen, let me make yeah. you a couple little forged ninja knives, and you give them to the Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Yeah. And he did. And I got these pictures, and I become awesome. friendly with both uh, Henry Golding, who is super nice guy, and then Andrew Kod- Koji, who plays Storm Shadow. So just really top of the line guys real nice um and um i'm so so i was watching what henry golding they're getting ready to put the snake eyes movie out in G- july and he did a video i guess a couple days ago i was thinking about you for this because i was thinking it, it was how interesting it would be so like he did an unboxing video for hasbro they're doing a uh and you're probably your probably wife knows all about it i would yeah. imagine you because that's what your wife does she does yeah. previews for toys and comics for yeah. Um, well, I want to I talk about that in, in a bit, but he did a, he did an unboxing of his character Snake Eyes, the, 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 the <laughs> That's character, cool. and he started talking about oh they did the the special my sword is called Morning Light, and he highlighted he said that I I, I mean the way he talked about it because it's not that you can't really find it in the movie in on the internet I'm not going to look too hard either, but he he made a point and it might have been a slip or whatever. <laughs> that the sword that he gets in the GI Joe movie, the Snake Eyes movie, is called Morning Light, and I was thinking, I was like, if I was, if I was the guys that that works, and I knew that the movie was coming out in July, I might try to dovetail into making that sword sure. to dovetail into when the GI Joe movie comes in.
1: That some of that happens, it definitely happens. I mean, like with the Witcher sword that we did, that's still one of my favorites we did before Jet out of Meteorite and all kinds of cool stuff. Um... I feel like that was like our real debut for that works like major build videos. You know, we had done a couple before that. I just felt like that was when we we started to really click. And and I like, we haven't even gotten into the fact that a year and a half ago, I had never shot video before and I had never edited a video in my life. Hmm. And I didn't go to school for it. I just started doing it. I had a choice to like kind of fold and wait around to see if a production company would pick us back up or to do it myself. And I just started doing it myself and I sucked. I still suck but uh yeah like but but
0: but now <laughs> you have all the control like it's back in the day 100 you guys had like 14 guys in in you know in baltimore knife and steel yep. and then not to mention all the, the all the grips and the lighting guys yep. and all that stuff now you have the ability to do all of it yeah and I, and I know that i know that you know based on what a lot of guys are getting and i don't i mean i don't know what they're getting but i know how At the point that you guys are with you, you got a lot of subscribers that there, you know, there is a there and the fact that you're getting contacted by video game companies to make this thing. There is a there is an incredible advantage to being able to not having to, you know, divide the money up because it's like
1: it's too, you know, there's too many people. And it's not just the money like. Uh. It's, you know, being forced to say something you don't want to say. Right. Like, for the TV show, like, I'm probably not even contractually allowed to say some of this, but whatever. Like, I won't go into too much detail. But that, they did two cultures per episode. And then at the end, they kind of, like, they didn't really put them against each other. But they kind of, like, built a case up for one being greater uh-huh. than the other sometimes. You mean the Art of War. Yeah. Right. And um, it was, like, one of the times they wanted us to say the most ridiculous, the most ridiculous thing. It was, like, no. You know it was like the Spanish versus the um, the Aztecs I think is what it was and it was like no that was like Terminator coming into into the woods this was full suit of armor people going against people with wooden clubs like how are you supposed to how am I gonna say that it was an even playing field it wasn't it never was huh. you know and they wanted me to say the only reason the Spanish won was basically the disease they brought. And it was like, okay, well, eventually that's what wiped them out. But, like, as far as the combat goes, no, we're literally talking about the T-1000 going up against a naked dude. Like, that's that was the level of technology difference. And, uh, you know, there's some of that that I just... But
0: now... I mean, bad. now. And, and
1: not only that, like, one of the most important things, and, like, you can say what you want about Alex Steele, but he's a self-made person, and he owns that brand no matter what. For us, we worked... I put... 1,000%, we're talking 15-hour days, sometimes complete overnighters to make pan arms happen. Not to mention, I was a producer on that show, so like, I had to do all the stuff when the cameras weren't rolling, all the research, everything. Uh, I had to write all the sheets of exactly what was going to happen that day, what the shot count was going to be. That was all me. And it, literally, like that, one mistake, the company goes out of business, and that is completely... I mean, my brother's doing Man in Arms again now. He eventually kind of got it back, but he, we didn't own it. Right. We put all that work in, and it was gone. And for two and a half years, nothing. Right. Um. And I just wasn't willing to do that again. Like, even though I knew the struggles were going to happen, and my videos were going to suck for a while, and I was hoping that either I would get decent enough, or that I would be able to build up enough uh, capital to like bring in an editor or bring in a you know, a a DP or somebody to film it for us. Uh, I knew that it was mine. It was, you know, mine and Ilya's, of course. And now Chris is involved as well. So, you know, no one can take that from me. Now, it's YouTube. It's the internet. Just like TikTok or any of those other things out there. It could go away. They could say, hey, no more weapons allowed, period, on YouTube. And that would suck. But we would just roll with it. Use the channel. Build some traditional blacksmithing gates or something. Or who knows? I don't know what it would what it would be, but, like, at least it's mine. Right. Well, see, that's
0: the thing. It's like, I feel, I still feel like because you've seen, it's, it, everyone sucks at something in the beginning and then they just, you know, you, it seems to me, a guy like you, a talented person who has got a lot of experience, you have so much more experience than most of these people in terms of what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And being able to kind of, like, also see, that was one of the things that I, I knew, that when you guys were doing those uh, builds with uh, Man-at-Arms, I knew that you or your brother was the liaison to the director to say, you have to say this, or you have to have that, or it doesn't make sense. Because knife making and sword making and all this stuff is very... You know, you just can't shoot everything out of order. It has to be within the right vein of order. And I knew that that meant that you were responsible to make sure that there was continuity in regards to the fit and finish, because sure. the fucking editor doesn't know. He doesn't. Yeah. He he's just there to cut the film up and put it back together. So, yep. I would imagine I knew that it was extra work on the back end from you. Absolutely. And for you to be able to, i still convinced that like most you know YouTube videos are like a mathematical equation. So I think that at Some least what? because you have a you have a you have complete control and understanding it's going to concentrate exactly what you want to do and to make you make a better product for you and Ilya.
1: yeah you're right and, and like that's kind of funny that you mentioned that like so the production company went from you know making six to eight minute videos uh with tony and then immediately came out and started working with us and they immediately jumped to we, our goal was 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 22 minutes is the minimal you need to make a TV show. So like 20 minutes and then you could add your commercial breaks 20 minutes was the goal. Some were like 14, but like, you know, they were much longer, more in depth videos. And we asked for rough cuts the first season, like, hey, can you give us rough, rough cuts so we can approve, you know, if this and they were like, what? And I was like, Tony never did rough cuts. They're like, no. We filmed them and put them right up. He never saw them until they were online. I was like, mm, nope, you're sending us rough cuts and we're sending you back at least one or two batches of notes each time. And then like at first, I'm sure they hated our I'll guts bet. for that. Um, honestly, that's that's a funny idea to do uh, a podcast some days with me and one of my producers earlier on to tell those stories because I don't think either one of us probably has given another thought, but my perspective versus his perspective or their perspective was probably pretty funny. You set it, it up I- any time. Yeah, I mean I'm a I'm a pain in the ass. I know it when I work with producers, but I almost every I'd say every single one of my producers except one guy who came in who didn't give a shit about our project at all. Uh I'm like close friends with some of them came to my wedding. Um like it was a whole uh workshop full of talented people from the producer to the lighting guy to the, the Trisha and some of the other girls that, that worked on, you know, booking our food for craft service. Everybody was so good at what they did. It was a lot of fun.
0: I see, but that doesn't surprise me because, you know, in general, especially when you're in in the business of you're kind of doing everything yourself, it is very difficult when there are other hands involved and you know what yep. needs to be done. And I. Yep. I, I these guys I, the, the tv people I and mean, you know i i we talked to so many people who are on who go on forged fire <laughs> and they what they think is yeah. happening versus the reality is just yep. totally two different things yep. but i love the fact that you're able to have that control but also you've had all that experience of what you don't want and now you're able to kind of do more of what you do want
1: yeah truly i mean there's there's so much to be said there we could talk for a long time about it um you know, bringing up Forge of Fire, one of the things that always drove me crazy is so the show has kind of devolved a little bit with like some of the level of people that they get on there. I don't wanna I'm not making fun of anybody, but they did get some like Master Smith level people. And the prize was ten grand, right? Some of these final projects from some of these guys, if they had just spent the time from day one of the shoot to the to the last day of the shoot making a nice project would have made more money doing that. So it always kind of cracked me up, like, for instance, like, Ilya spent, like, that shield that Ilya made when he went on and Fire. That's
0: right. So he was on, when was
1: he on? He was on, like, I think season four, episode four, or something like that, or I don't know. And early he won on. the whole thing? Yeah. They wanted, they've called him back. I mean, I will not talk about his experience. He had a very bad experience, and he, he fucking hates that show. But, uh, yeah, like, he said the only way he would ever do it again is if he was one of the judges, which would be so funny. Um. You know, but that's, anyway. that's
0: what they say about. Th- there's other people who want the knife talk guys, us knife talk guys, to be the judges too.
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't want to say anything bad about it, but like the prize money, like people are like, "Man, if you go on that show, you win ten grand." Like, man, six if grand. I-. Well, yeah, after, after taxes, is- sure, exactly. exactly. Let's, let's, let's so, not, like not, that shield that Ilya made, if he made that grand. for someone and spent just a little more time on it, would have been like way more than that. And you know, whatever. I think that I feel I like mean, that that show should almost like so they asked me to come on and I'll, I'll be straight up I've said the same thing that I've always said and this is such a fair statement every contestant that goes on there should be paid a daily rate not oh, a yeah. lot of money not a lot of money but like it is built into if you if you're in the TV industry at all you know exactly what I'm talking about you should get a daily rate that has nothing to do with your you know like contract of how much you make in the overall season of it you get a daily rate you should get paid a daily rate it might be as little as 170 bucks but every contestant should be paid and i said if you want me to come on you have to pay me and everybody that's on the stage with me a daily yeah and i know like, you're hundred they freaked, out. freaked the... out about it and i was like what's unfair about that you're taking them out of their work you're not giving them a chance to to have a shirt on that says their forge name right. which at very least is easy paperwork yeah Uh, and you know, they're risking their whole reputation to come on and you're not even giving, you're not even giving them a stipend for cast money or food. So like, whatever.
0: I, I agree with you. And I've, I've said this before in the the past that I would only go on if they paid me and let everybody wear let everybody wear their shirts you yeah. know I, at least and just, yeah. just not say you know John from the Eastern Hemisphere I yep. I think that it, it really there have been a few people who I know talked to Salem Straub and said that you know, a lot of people have had bad experiences he made a pile of money afterwards It was really good for him and Ben Snur <laughs> Ben Snur said I lost I sold so many hammers thanks to Forge and Fire can't even stand it because they flashed ben over Sner, his ben hammers Ben Snur sell you a hammer he I mean it <laughs> I was like, he, he was like, he's like I, I lost and I made a pile of money Selling Very hammers. Good for them. The, the, the thing is, is, you know, win, lose, or draw, it does give, it has elevated what a lot of people are doing. And it's the only real show where you do see a lot of, you know, consistently seeing people forge, which is.
1: It brought know, bladesmithing into every living room. like 100%. Like, it, it's so weird for, like, Okay, so Illy and I did, I don't even know, hundreds of episodes of Man in Arms. Each one has at least 4 million views. Some of them have 10 million, right? Plus, we were on TV for that. He did one episode of *Forge and Fire, and when we travel, like on airplanes and stuff, like people might recognize me now that I have a longer beard and not as much, but they know him from Forged and Fire. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. He hates it. It's so, really? It really makes my day. It, I love it. Be like, they'll be like, you're that guy forging fire. You did that water forging and blasted the judges. It was great. Like, they remember that because he's the only contestant that I can remember. I don't really watch this, so I'll be perfectly honest. I watch it if, like, a buddy like Emiliano or, like, Derek Kemper or somebody like that goes on. But for the most part, like, I'm not I'm not really watching Forging Fire. But he is the only contestant that went on who truly tried to not win and won. Like... He trolled the judges. He did everything loud, and noisy. He wouldn't participate with hair and makeup the way they wanted him to. Uh, <laughs> that part of his story is very, very funny. You
0: gotta get him on. You gotta get. You gotta give. Have him give me another chance. Get, oh, he would. Him. I just.
1: I'm personally scared to tell him that because you never know where he's gonna go. But I.
0: I, 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 I first, I want to him to follow for. me again because I feel like <laughs> I feel like we. I feel like we got on the wrong foot. I must have said something. Maybe I wasn't strict enough. Maybe I'm not disciplined enough. I understand. Oh, I we'll get give. He, he got to faces. give me another chance, and then I want to talk to him about it because I think I think he's hilarious. He's a character.
1: He would delete me from Instagram if he knew I wouldn't cry about it all day. <laughs> Trust me. Don't let. That so the last thing I just want to mention:
0: and your wife who just gave birth. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in the fact that you both I would think that you both kind of work together in a sense because she does deal with um, she does videos for comic book uh, previews Mm -hmm. what is tell me more about what she does
1: oh man full circle I'll I'll try to keep it short we did um, a small couple episodes for a show called super fan builds which is a lot like man at arms except at the end you give away the item to a super fan that's deserving and we gave a conan sword away to a guy who i didn't even know who existed uh who worked at diamond comics uh if you're not familiar with diamond comics like they're like the number one comic distributor in this world in, in and yeah. at least this country big deal uh, the jeppy family owns it and uh he worked there and i got a tour of their facility and stuff that was awesome and when my wife uh who lived in LA finally came here and lived with me here in maryland um i thought you know i knew they were trying to to up the ante and get new personalities and really like they have like a top-notch studio but they just didn't have any good shows um so i got you know i hooked them up and she immediately like won them over because she's awesome and uh she does that and she does uh she her real pride and joy is she does a show highlighting different independent comic book creators so not just like Marvel, like people have right. never heard of and, and that's what she loves to do. And she's not just on air talent, like she's a producer, she writes scripts, um, she does the background on what comics she's gonna select. Um, the toys isn't really like she writes her own scripts for the toys and stuff, but that's kinda like whatever Diamond is selling. Um or whatever. I don't know. There's so many sub things of that company. I don't know which one is which, Sapphire Studios I think is the one that does the toys. But um, yeah. She does that. She's super great at it. Um, we have a couple side projects that we're working on. Um, the baby kind of <laughs> gave that's us a the, little that's nine the month. number one side project. Yeah. That gave us a little nine month, like sidetrack of, uh, of some of our ideas, but we want to do some stuff together, but we're always, she's been a driving force behind me. I know like people say all the time, but behind every good knife maker is a supportive wife or, or a wife with a real job. Um, those both are probably true, but she's very supportive of me, and I'm always trying to be supportive of her. Uh, I'm not easy to live with. I can be very critical, like uh, on things like, "Hey, like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Hold your head up. Do this. Talk confidently." Like, but but we've uh, we've really evolved as a couple. It's pretty cool. Like, she's my strength, and I'm hers. Like, when she's nervous, like, she took a long break because of COVID filming, and she went back uh, when she was like six months pregnant, and I was brave in the first place. Um, to do a round of filming, and like she was nervous, and I just like texted her and called her, and then you know this is what you're made for. This is you are truly amazing at this, and she is, and uh, yeah, we're just lucky. Like, I hate to brag and all, but like I got the best one, so I'm sure you feel that way about your wife too. But I'm I, with you. What are, I love, I, I love what she does.
0: I just like the fact that there's like this kind of connection in terms of what you both do. You're both yeah. in the same vein of what you do, and I would imagine yeah. that you're able to kind of bounce ideas off each other and it can be a very
1: creative situation it's pretty neat and like right down to like raising children that way like like we're just people like we don't walk around acting like celebrities or anything because god knows that's the furthest thing either one of us want we're just like trying to be just another nerd couple um and you know but the reality is we have some pretty cool talents in this family and and uh raising raising three lovely girls that uh have that bar (laughs) raised for their expectations like my my poor high schooler she uh she does some video projects and stuff for for some of her you know she's like in dance and things like that and they have to choreograph uh whatever do some choreography for dances and film it and stuff right now because of covid so like i'm like oh well when you do this, you got to use this transition in your oh, video and then, co- dad, <laughs> like, you know get, what I mean? Get out I, of here, dad. I'm I feel horrible, but like her projects are awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, like we have a we have a very interesting family, but it's a great, great little uh, blend of talents and, and just fun. Matt, For sure.
0: you're a very interesting guy. Yeah. I, I feel like we could keep going, but the problem we is, is we can't. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get you back on because I I think we I think we just scratched the surface.
1: Yeah, man, there's tons there's tons to talk about. I got a long backstory that we can go over, or we can just riff like like we did today. We're it was do, a, a lot do, of fun. we
0: will do it again. we will do it again. I'd love to do it with your get one of your producers on here, or if That'd you can, you know, you know you can you can you can drag on Ilya if he if he. I mean, I don't know. It sounds like he's See, a, he's a man only of problem like the is wind. if
1: if Illy and I come on at the same time, all he's going to do is make fun of me. So it's probably better that you just get him alone. Okay. All right. Well, we'll <laughs> we, we, you do have, we do have funny chemistry, and that's one of the things I miss about some of the things we used to film is we used to have more both of us on the camera at the same time. You got some of that, I wouldn't say chemistry, but you got some of that fun banter back and forth. And now we, since I'm basically doing all the filming, uh, we don't get to do that as much, but it's, it's a hell of a life. and I, I appreciate you life. having us.
0: It's a, yep. hell a, it's guys, a hell of a life guys i need you to do me a favor i need you to go follow matt stagmer you pronounce it stagmer
1: oh yeah i heard your last pocket it is stagmer not stagmeyer
0: what did i say stagmeyer that was you, ben yeah, said you and, stagmeyer you, yeah
1: ben was saying you should say that. i say, i don't me. do
0: it right i don't i don't we we i don't pronounce people's names right and i apologize but matt go follow matt stagmer go follow ilia that's slavic smith mm-hmm. go follow matt's wife canon doll x on instagram yep. And go support them. Go to their wet. Go to their Insta- Go to their YouTube page. That works, for sure. Watch their videos. If not anything, if you're a knife maker, go watch the one where he's showing you the correct way to, to forge a bevel. Which actually was go. a fascinating, fascinating uh, explanation for sure. Go follow these guys. Support these guys. We're gonna get everything squared away. We're gonna have them. We're gonna have Matt back for sure. All right. We're gonna have back Matt for sure. And if you guys could do me a favor. I just heard from the boss that we need to get more subscribers. So if you could hit subscribe on wherever you're listening to this, leave a review, leave five-star review, please. And I'm going to let a nice message. It helps me out. And go buy some Axe Wax Full Blast 10 for 10% off at axewax.us. Next week, I'm looking forward to the episode. I can't talk about it because it isn't. It isn't completely finished, so I have to, I can't talk about it and I want to. But guys, thanks again, and we will see you next Friday. Thanks yeah, again, man. Matt.
1: Yep. The Full Blast Podcast is proudly sponsored by Axe Wax, an all-natural, food-safe wax for coating your handles. It can be used on your axes, your knives, or even on your boots, with the full confidence that Axe Wax is safe and durable. Furthermore, if you use the promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get a special 10% discount on your order. So go to axewax.us and get yourself some of the most luxurious wax for waxing your axe.
0: If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.